Recently, I was feeling more anxious and depressed than usual, and so I went and talked with a counselor. I wanted some help working through some of my past leadership decisions, and, and here's what my counselor told me. He said, you need to stop playing mental and emotional volleyball, where you try to compete against yourself. He says, nobody's going to win because you always know your next move. Instead, he told me that I should learn to practice mindfulness. Now, mindfulness is a pretty trendy idea right now. You, you'll probably see magazines that are dedicated to mindfulness, and there's programs and businesses and schools on practicing mindfulness. Even this morning, I was looking at a, an app on my Fitbit, and there was, a, there was a program for practicing mindfulness. So, what is mindfulness? Well, some people try to find its origins in Eastern religi religions and meditation practices, but really the definition of mindfulness is learning how to be fully alive in the present. It also means that you're able to not be overwhelmed by all the ups and downs of your emotions and you don't internalize the opinions of everybody around you so that you can be fully alive in the present. Now, if that's what it is, then the Bible teaches a form of mindfulness. The Bible in, in Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. It was the Apostle Paul who says, This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and pressing on towards what is ahead. It's Jesus who said, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough trouble, or tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so the Bible is always telling us to get back to the present, to be fully alive in the present. But how do you do that? Well, that's what we're going to be discussing the rest of this week. We're going to look at the life of Jesus and see how Jesus practiced a form of mindfulness. But for today, let's at least take the first step. Let's learn to be fully alive in the present. I'm going to tell you a, a, a verse from the Psalms, Psalm 118. I'm going to say it and then you repeat it. And it can be kind of a mantra for you today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Ready? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so when you wake up in the morning and you're anxious and nervous about all the things that are going to happen today or tomorrow or in the years to come, bring yourself back to the present and remind yourself that this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. When you're at work or at school and you're just so filled with, with maybe shame and guilt for things that you've done in the past, the past day, the past year, the past months, remember, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. See, the thing is, yesterday has been forgiven and forgotten. And God's already in charge of tomorrow. And so you can be fully alive right now in the present. Let's pray. Lord God, so often we can live anywhere but right now. We can be filled with grief and, and shame about our past. And we can be so fixated and anxious about the future. But Lord God, lead us to trust in you, to know that you have forgiven our past, that you're in control of our future, so that we can be fully mindful right now in the present. Amen. In my worst moments, I can be hyper aware of criticism. And as a pastor, I don't have to look very far to find some. 
Sometimes after I preach a sermon, I'll get a text message or an email of somebody who didn't like something I said in the sermon. Or, or maybe I'll get a letter every once in a while of people who maybe challenge some of my leadership decisions. Maybe something like that has happened to you, where someone commented about something you said or did on social media. Or, or maybe somebody's speaking behind your back. The problem is, is when we become hyper-aware of criticism, we can be unproductive. We, we're not living fully alive in the present. Uh, I can get too anxious about making a decision about the future, afraid that I might make someone upset. Or I can analyze and fixate on the past decisions that I've made. And all that keeps me from living a mindful life, keeps me from living fully alive in the present. Well, as we look at the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus practiced a form of mindfulness. See, he had people had all sorts of opinions about him. Some people liked what he was doing. Some people were fully behind it and excited about it. And some people were cha challenged what he did and were very critical. But Jesus would not internalize all the opinions of everybody around him. He didn't let himself be overwhelmed with all of those emotions. In fact, one of his followers, the Apostle John, writes about this. When, when Jesus was getting all sorts of feedback about his ministry, John says this, But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. See, Jesus was aware of all the different opinions of people. He knew all of the criticism that was going on, but he would not entrust himself to human beings. He wasn't going to internalize everybody's opinion because he knew it was in a, in a person. He knew that people could be selfish or self-centered or fickle or misguided. And so, mostly, he listened to the opinion and view of his Heavenly Father. So what would it look like for us to practice a form of mindfulness and imitate Jesus? Well, maybe right now you could be aware and, and consider all of the different opinions that people have of you. Maybe there's some people who, who support you and there's some people who are critical of you. Instead of internalizing all of those opinions and entrusting yourself to them, look at them from a distance. Uh, evaluate what people are saying and maybe you'll find that some things that people say are right and, and you need to change in some areas. But then you also need to remember that, that sometimes the criticism that people have of you is not coming from a healthy place. Maybe it's coming from a selfish heart or a, a broken heart or a wounded heart. And most of all, we need to be aware and respond and believe what our Heavenly Father says about us, that we are God's children through Jesus Christ. So what it means to practice Christian mindfulness it means that not everybody gets to be in your head. No one, live, no one gets to live in your brain rent-free. In fact, you can drown out all of the different voices of criticism by continuing to listen to your Heavenly Father. And then you can live a life fully alive in the present. Let's pray. Lord God, there are so many different opinions that could be swirling around us today. Some people who approve of us, some people who reject us. Give us the humility to, to listen to those things that are true and be willing to change. But Lord God, lead us not to be overwhelmed by the opinions and all of the different emotions that are swirling around us. Help us to live mindfully, to live a life fully alive in the present. Amen.
The famous Christian philosopher Blas Pascal said this, All of humanity's problems stem from the man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Now, at first that seems like kind of a dramatic overstatement. But the more I think about it, the more I think it's true. So many of, of my problems come at a time when I am not able to sit alone with God. Maybe I feel depressed about my past or maybe I'm anxious and want to control my future and it leads me into a bad place. And so, a lot of our problems stem from the, the reality that we can't sit alone and be alone with God. This week we've been talking about a form of Christian mindfulness. And, and as we look at the life of Jesus, we see that he was busy doing all sorts of things, but he saw the importance of practicing silence and solitude, sitting alone with his heavenly Father. And so we read in Luke chapter 5. News about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and, he, and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's pretty remarkable. Jesus was busy doing all sorts of important things, healing the sick, raising the dead, teaching his disciples, saving the world. And yet he understood that one of the most important things he could do was to get away and practice silence and solitude to be alone with his heavenly Father. And it's the same for you. If you want to practice Christian mindfulness, if you want to be fully alive in the present, well, I would encourage you right now to take some time to be alone with God. And that doesn't have to be a very difficult thing. Maybe all it means is to turn off your phone for a little bit and to spend some quiet time alone with God in prayer. Uh, to be mindful that God is in control, that he has forgiven your past, that he's in control of your future, and you can just be present with him right now. Let's pray. Lord God, there's so many things that we need to do today. There's so many people that need our help. There's so many things swirling around in our brain. And yet right now, we just want to be present and quiet with you. You are the source of everything that is good. Lead us to be quiet in this moment to listen to you. Amen. The story is told of a pastor named John Ortenberg who at the time was leading a very large and important congregation. And he felt himself getting all swept up in the busyness of being a pastor. And so he called his friend and mentor, Dallas Willard, who's a philosopher and a theologian, and asked him what he should do. And Dallas Willard told him this. He said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. In fact, he went on to say, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. Now, that might seem like a surprising statement, that hurry is one of the biggest problems in our spiritual life, but I think he's right. Now, that might be surprising because many of us, we wear busyness as a badge of honor. In fact, if I were to ask you, how are you doing? You might say, well, I'm busy. And I'd probably say the same. We think that, that, that busyness is a virtue. But that's not how Jesus lived. Jesus had lots to do. He had to heal the sick and raise the dead and preach the people and save the world. And yet, he never seemed to be in a hurry. He practiced what we're calling this week Christian mindfulness. He was able to be fully present, fully alive in the present, where he could be present with the people that his heavenly Father put in his way. And one of my favorite stories of this comes from the book of Luke. 
where Jesus hears that a very important man, Jairus, who is a synagogue ruler, his daughter is sick. And so Jesus is invited to go to the home and, and heal his daughter. And so he's on his way to this very important person's house in this very critical situation. And on his way, a, a woman who's been subject to bleeding her whole life touches Jesus' cloak and is healed. And Jesus stops to speak with this woman. He takes time to encourage this woman. In fact, he, he says to this woman, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Because Jesus took his time to be with this woman, there were some messengers from Jairus' house that said, Jesus, don't bother anymore. Um, Jairus' daughter is already dead. And Jesus responded, he said, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. And so Jesus goes to the house, and he raises this young girl to life. And what we learn about this is, is, is Jesus always seemed like he had time for everybody. He took time. He wasn't in a hurry. He didn't wear busyness as a badge of honor. He was mindful for the people that God put in his path. So what would it look like for us to imitate Jesus? Well, instead of being in such a rush, being so busy, what if you consider the people who are in the room with you right now, the people that God is putting in front of you right now, and be mindful of them. Be fully alive in the present. Be present in the moment to see maybe there's somebody in this room who needs your help. Maybe there's someone in this room next to you who needs to be encouraged. Maybe somebody needs to be forgiven. Maybe someone needs a prayer. Follow Jesus' example to be fully alive in the present as you help the people that God has put in front of you. Let's pray. Lord God, so often I can be busy. We can be rushing from one thing to the next that we fail to see the good things that you put in front of us, the people that need our help. Lord God, help us to be mindful of them. Help us to be, live fully alive in the present and to serve the people in our path. In your name we pray. Amen. What does your normal work week look like? Do you work a nine to five job during the week or do you work weeknights or weekends? Well, I'm a pastor and I know some people think that pastors just work one hour a week. It's not exactly that way, but we can pick our own schedule. And for a long time, that caused lots of problems in my life. I, I seem to continue to cram more and more into my day, pack more and more in my schedule, more meetings, uh, more Bible studies, more counseling appointments, and I would spend the weekend memorizing my sermon. And it was getting so out of control until a friend told me, hey, God created the world in six days and then he took a break. Who do you think you are? I knew that something needed to change. And so I started thinking about taking a day off. And when we look at the life of Jesus, he saw his own disciples getting caught up in the busyness of ministry and he knew that they needed to get away to rest. This is what we read in Mark chapter 6. It says, Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, Jesus said to his disciples, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Jesus knew that his disciples needed to get rest. In fact, Jesus himself practiced the Sabbath day. 
that ancient law, that ancient rule from the Old Testament of taking one full day every week to rest with the Lord. That was something that, that God's people have been practicing for thousands of years. In fact, uh, when our country started, there are many people who had Jewish background that would take Saturday off and many Christians who would take Sunday off to celebrate the resurrection that that kind of formed our weekend of Saturday and Sunday. Except that doesn't happen much anymore to actually take a day off. For most of us, one day blurs into the next. We might work a nine-to-five job, but then we're answering email and checking our phone that night. We never seem to take time off. So as we talk about living a life of Christian mindfulness to be fully alive in the present, I want to encourage you to try taking a full day off. Our family and I have tried to do that. We try to take Saturdays off, where I turn off my phone on Friday night and turn my phone back on Sunday morning. We try to plan a special meal and we try to eat by candlelight as a family and maybe I'll make a a fire in the fireplace. And I'm surprised at how much our family, especially our children, enjoy a day of rest. Now, you might think that that's unproductive or or it's not going to be efficient, but I want you to consider that that some of the fastest-growing businesses and, and some of the most productive people take one day off a week. Now, this isn't a law that's something you have to do. Uh, Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath day. He himself is our Sabbath rest, but maybe you want to give it a try. And it would be a powerful message to your own heart Um, that, that reminds you that because God is always at work, you don't have to be. You can take time to stop and live in this present moment and be mindful of the goodness of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we can be so busy, so worried about the future, so many things that we have to get done that we might neglect proper rest. Show us the the blessing of rest, time to, to, to reflect, time to worship you, and most of all, give us rest for our souls. In your name we pray, amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here with Time of Grace. Did you know that our ministry is 100% donor funded? That's a fancy way of saying that we don't receive buckets and buckets of money from the government or from any church or denomination. Instead, our ministry is completely fueled by people just like you people who listen and watch our videos, people who give generously, and people who allow this message to spread to more and more souls whose lives are then changed. So for all of you who give, thank you so much. And for all of you who haven't given yet, we would love for you to do so. We really need your support. We want to reach people now with the good news of Jesus, which is why we need your help. Thanks for praying about that. Thanks for considering it. And thanks in advance for your support. God bless. Hey, what's up everyone? Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. Uh, We certainly would love this message to reach more and more people. So if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing this podcast, it would bring it to more people's eyes and we pray this message into more people's hearts. Thanks for your support and we'll talk to you soon.